Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This, this, this is Jolly Rogers and Touchdown with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. We are going to get you guys all the information regarding the Bucks. So, mm-hmm. Jolly Roger fans, Tampa Bay Bucks fans, as you all know, the unfortunate end of the season was a few weeks ago. Championship weekend just passed to give you guys a timestamp of what's going down in the NFL. And in the midst of all of that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, still have nine vacancies to fill on their coaching staff. And what James and I wanted to do, what would have been ideal is that we were hopping on here, getting all the good vibes going and telling you guys that the Bucks landed. Mm. That's not the conversation we get to have this morning. I wish. The Bucks have selected <laughs> no one. The carousel keeps singing and turning. And so the updates that we have for you are all of the uh, potential candidates aside from the ones that have recently got hired that have come in and had discussions for the offensive coordinator position that Byron Leftwich was alleviated of, I think as of January 19th, if I'm being specific. So uh, Bucks interviewed Bengals OC Dan Pitcher, like his name, I could say it, that works. Um, thoughts on the Bengals OC, James, uh, or more so, you know, the Bengals offense and any potential of what could translate over to the Bucks if that was an option. So you look at what the what the Bengals offense has been able to do the last couple of years, and you simply look at it and say, whoever has been a part of that success, maybe the captain of that success from a coaching staff standpoint, I want that person on my team. Now we know that Zach Taylor runs a lot of the offense over there with Cincinnati. So I'd be interested to see, you know, what their OC brings to Tampa Bay and what he can kind of prove that he's done with Joe Burrow in that offense. But there's right. besides the capability maybe of their running backs and and, and when Leonard and and, Fresh- and Rashad White are fully healthy and capable, maybe they can kind of replicate what Joe Mixon and Samaji P. Ryan do over there. But I, I would say from a wide receiver and, and tight end standpoint, I think the Buccaneers can look similar on paper to what the Bengals, you know, provide a great one, two punch up receiver, a good third wide receiver. When you talk about Tyler Boyd and Russell Gage tight ends that can do multiple things, talk about Hayden Hurst over there for the Bengals and then Cam Brayton, Kate Otten over here for the Bucks. So I think the Buccaneers are looking at just kind of that core. I have a, a pocket, a very good, Pocket and progression quarterback in Joe Burrow. I, I got the best pocket and progression quarterback of all time over here. And Tom Brady, cross his fingers if, if he stays. Um, but <laughs> bold I, I think statement. bold statement. But I think going in and getting a, a good and high level OC is preparing for Tom Brady to stay. Um, I think the Buccaneers right. are just we're still kind of operating in that. We talked about that last episode of how we're just going to kind of live in that twilight and hope and toxic. And, 
Yeah, well, and, and prepare <laughs> for everything for them, right? So that we're, they're still on that. So what, what, from that standpoint, I like it, and, and I'm good with it. And we, Casey, you and I were kind of talking off camera, and I'm, I'm interested to get your perspective on this too. This is kind of one of the few candidates that the Buccaneers have come forward with who's already an established OC. We see a lot yes. of candidates that the Buccaneers have had um, We've seen a, a lot where they're position coaches, right? They're position mm-hmm. coaches who are looking for that first coordinator shot. We see wide receiver coaches, offensive line coaches, running basketball, wh- whatever the position is, um, getting elevated. So what what's your kind of thought on that? Are you excited to see guys getting a shot? Would you rather go out them go out and get an established OC? Like what where where do where do you lie on that? See, this is a tough one for me because if there's one thing in the last year and a half between the coverages that I do, not only in NFL but in NHL, I've noticed that those I don't that those diamonds in the rough opportunities turned out to be worthwhile. You know, so the guys who have been assistant coaches for so long, they they absorb the knowledge, they absorb the perspective to orchestrate and piece together a, a formidable team or a team that's going to be formidable within a reasonable span. So especially being in this industry, you want people to get a chance. That's what everyone's working and building their resumes for. I would just have to know, you said something really key. While they're position coaches of very specific things like passing game and and stuff like that, I would just like to know how in depth or how involved in the conversations they were with the offensive coordinator, with the head coach, because the biggest thing is trusting somebody to make a decision confidently, stand by it, take accountability. There's a lot of big characteristics here that have to come into this Bucks organization because nothing against Byron Leftwich, but what they lacked with Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich this season was not the giant umbrella was not only the giant umbrella of a lack of accountability, but it was the decisiveness. It was the confidence. So my only hesitation with bringing somebody in who's going from being a position coach to an OC, as much as I want somebody to get that opportunity, I don't think the Bucks organization is the right organization and it's not the right time. They already kind of took that chance with Byron Leftwich. They already kind of took that chance. They're still taking that chance with Todd Bowles because Bowles has this, you know, Jets head coaching situation still kind of looming over his head. Fans were excited Mm. about Bulls in the beginning, and then that excitement fell off come week six because the team wasn't making any progress. They weren't able to turn things around. They weren't able to clean up their mistakes. They had an entire season of just committing the same felonies on the field, and I call them felonies because they were just tremendous uh uh-ohs that they could not get past. Not uh uh-ohs. Oh, man. Beyond (laughs) that. Yeah, it was was Uh criminal to watch some of the football that we watched the Bucks put on this season and the blame game got old. There was just so many things that got so exhaustingly old, not only for fans, but for media and even the players, I'm not even taking it away from the emotional roller coaster. The players had to be on all that to say a potential, possibly good situation doesn't seem like a fit. And from the conversations I've had the last few weeks since the season ended, some a lot of people are still convinced that they're not ready to go into a full rebuild here. Mm-hmm. First of all, they can't really afford it. The Bucks cap space situation is pretty dark. And so if you know you can't afford to really lean into a full rebuild, then you're back in another plug and play situation, which means you need experience. 
you need confidence, you need decisiveness, you need somebody who you can actually sit in that situation, give all the reins to say, here, run this team like a well-oiled machine and step back. And passing coaches are not it for me. Yeah. You also said something else that I love though, James, after that whole rant. Um, it's the fact that a guy who has experience, OC, Dan Pitcher, you know, you're coming from a team that played in the Super Bowl last year, uh, had a great shot this year. And even before that, a lot of what's kind of hindered the Bengals hasn't been play calling situations, time management situations, indecision, lack of confidence, lack of accountability. It's been health. And even with their injury reports, they've still managed to play some great football. That's inspiring for me. That's exciting for me because once this injury report in Tampa Bay got a little gloom and doom, nobody mm -hmm. knew what to do with themselves. So this is an OC that I would trust to see a Kate Otten have a performance like he did versus the Falcons the first time and be like, I, yeah, let's it. get this guy more involved. I don't think <laughs> right. he's going to his feet on a situation. He's going to try right. it. He's going to give it that opportunity. He's going to let them know if they succeeded or screwed up on the sideline or maybe in practice the next day. And he's going to adjust. There was no adjusting with this team. It was like, let's go out and do the same song and dance and maybe something will happen. And I can't watch another season of maybe. Bless you. My other thing with OC Dan Pitcher is the fact that you also mentioned, you know, that one-two punch similar to what the Bengals were running with the running backs. Love that because if you remove that whole competitive pit against each other BS that was going on with the Bucks when it comes to Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, and Keyshawn Vaughn when they decided to throw him in, Gio Bernard when they decided to throw him in, does Bernard and Vaughn know their role? Yes. Are Leonard Fournette and Rashad White completely different running backs in my opinion? Yes. Having this pitting against each other thing where it's like, well, who's going to be running back number one? Who's good? Who's it going to be? Who's it no, be? that's short-sighted. Yeah, that's short-sighted because if the best thing to me in the NFL to have is a combination at running back, one who excels in one thing, one who excels in the other. The best running teams in the NFL have that. Eagles, Cowboys, Ravens, like, like name name them. They, the best running right. teams in the NFL do you think there was this that. weird situation going on with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard? Ezekiel Elliott has been the one over there forever. He is a very dominant running back within his means of his strength and, and so on and so forth, where Pollard was different in, in, in his elusiveness, his footwork. There was differences, mm -hmm. and the team used them you know, how they needed to. I felt mm -hmm. like there was too much pitting and conversation going on between Fournette and, and Rashad White. Look, Fournette signed a three-year deal before the season started. He's here. He's in Tampa Bay. He's hanging out. Rashad White is a rookie who's – they're trying to figure out how he fits here. So there's the running back situation that you mentioned. I would love to pull the competitive nature of that, have it actually have a realistic plan for both of these guys. Tight ends. I have said it since training camp, and I will keep screaming it from the hills – the tight ends need to be involved. We're talking about a sport that not only used to have a very specific role for tight ends, but used to have this thing called a fullback. I don't know how you go from having a fullback, pull him out of the game plan for most teams. Then you have these tight ends that you choose to barely use. Like this organization, the Bucks specifically, when Jameis Winston was that quarterback, the tight ends were important. And you're talking about a guy like Jameis Winston who maybe didn't completely need tight ends but they use them. I would love to see an offensive coordinator come in and actually utilize the tight ends, actually draft quality tight ends. Use that hybrid monster that can help mm -hmm. your team. The tight ends didn't exist this season. That was stupid. 
And you got to know your personnel. Tom Brady excels when he has not just one tight end, but multiple tight end packages. Our Super Bowl year, it's multiple tight end packages with, with Gronk and Cam Brate. All his successful years in New England, that's multiple tight end packages that were they were using, utilize his play action, yep. all that. You got to do that. Let's look at what Dan Pitcher was able to do with the Bengals in their situation. The worst offensive line situation in the NFL for the past three seasons, and it really hadn't hindered them that much. You've seen them kind of operate right. around it for so long. And a lot of people credit that to Joe Burrow, and you probably have to. He's done an amazing job. But you also have to mm-hmm. give a little bit of credit to the offensive coordinator and the play callers to be able to scheme around that and, and kind of kind of yes. allow Joe Burrow to operate around that. And that's what the Bucks, probably one of their biggest, if not their biggest bugaboo this season, was health and production from their offensive line. If you get an yep. offensive coordinator who's coming from a similar position, and and by the way, just with more success with more success, and just coached Tom Brady's former offensive lineman and Alex Kappa. So, so I'm sure there's some kind of hey, this is what we this is what we did at Tampa. It worked. So if you remember that, like, oh yeah, Alex told me that. You know, Tom like this, or they did this here. I can bring that back over. So it's just that mm-hmm. it not only the experience in the NFL, but experience in a similar type situation. I love that. I think that's great for Dan Pitcher. Yep. But to bring it all the way back to the candidates case, I do have a list of the, the top candidates for the Buccaneers right now are Jim Bob Cooter, Clint Kubiak, and Keenan McCardell. Bucks fans will recognize Keenan McCardell, a good wide receiver for the Bucks. For a little bit, but you have Clint Kubiak, who comes from good pedigree, Gary Kubiak. You have Jim Bob Cooter, who hasn't been an OC for a long time in this league, but has spent a lot of time in this league and right now is a running backs coach. And then you have the familiar face, Ed Keenan McCardell, who's right now a wide receiver coach as well. So that'd be three upgrades, three guys who are possession coaches that are upgrades, but in their all and all of their own right, have somewhat mm-hmm. of quote-unquote experience in this league maybe not so much experience as an OC but Keenan experience in this league as a player and a position coach experience with the Buccaneers Clint Kubiak his father is Gary so spent so much time in and around the NFL NFL you know that and Jim Bob Cooter who's who's a name in this league Mm -hmm. so those are the top candidates to come from OC so if it's not Dan Pitcher it could be one of those three and I do think there are worst. I do think there are worst names. I do think there are worst options for <laughs> the Buccaneers to go. I I really do. I really do. Um, you know, you're, you you did mention the pedigree and and the experience that these guys can have, regardless of how much time they have either had at at offensive coordinator at one point or never having that at all. Um, while while uh, Keenan Markell sounds like you know this could be cool. When it comes to experience conversation, no, I hear you. Um, there's no, a there's you. a guy who's coming in for an interview today. Bucks fans, Jolly Rogers, and touchdowns fans, and that is uh, Todd Munkin coming in for his interview. He did sit down and have an interview with the Ravens for the OC position there, but there's still a lot of steam surrounding the conversation of he's been with the Bucks before. He wasn't really with a head coach that was going to allow him to have the freedom to run the team as he should, or the offense, not the team. Um, and if there's any sort of synergistic energy between him and Todd Bowles, Munkin could be a great fit. He's been with Georgia since 2020. Um, he does have a lot of college experience. So if I had to pick something that would concern me with Munkin is how much of his game planning uh, will actually translate from college to the NFL. A lot of fans did like what he tried to get going here with the Bucks. Um, like I said, the most resounding feedback that I've gotten when it comes to Munkin is that he was not given an opportunity to just 
run the offense like he wanted to. Uh, It was the fact that Coder was like very stifling and wanted everything done his way. I think what's very clear here is that Todd Bowles wants to trust somebody in this position. He doesn't want to be having to, you know, tap in and keep splitting his attention across the way. He wants a guy in there who, who, whom he can trust to run things uh, so he can focus elsewhere. Or not focus yeah. elsewhere, but, you know, expand his focus to the team as a whole, not, you know, a rebuilding offense. So you look at you, – you you mentioned Tom Munkin being at Georgia. And, one, you got to look at Georgia's offense and, and just their team being one of the best college football programs of all time in the past two years. And you're like, okay, if someone's a part of that, especially the offense, we could do well. Mm-hmm. To me, Todd Munkin doesn't signal – the extension of the Brady era. Todd Munkin to me is, is one of the few indicators the Bucks would give of a moving forward, moving to a, a new era. Because yes, Todd Munkin is a familiar face, but he's been operating a a college offense. And Georgia runs mm-hmm. a pretty pro style of offense. Georgia doesn't run a, a simple offense, but it's still at a college capability. And do you really want right. someone would Tom Brady really want someone who's been running a college offense for the past couple of years to now come in and, and run his NFL style of offense? And in that same vein, you see a lot of a lot of Buccaneers faithful. The people who aren't on the keep Brady train are on the, you know, tank for Caleb Williams train. I forget what they're calling it. I've, I've <laughs> win winless for Williams or something like that. But but it's like, oh, wow. you know, if Caleb Williams stays a, at USC for one more year. You know, which he could, or if he does come to the draft, let Tom Brady walk. Hopefully, Caleb Williams falls to where the Bucks are in the mock draft, and you take Caleb Williams and we move forward with him. To me, if we go with Todd Munkin, I can see, I wouldn't be surprised the Buccaneers then went that lane, then told Tom, we have a new offensive coordinator, we're moving in a new direction, you know. Go, go ahead and go I ahead and go to your going to be the team moving on from Tom. I think Tom's moving on. Because either, he's got better options. If either, either either way, it would if then in that logic, it would be the Buccaneers no longer asking Tom to stay, no longer pleading Tom to stay, no longer kind of creating the situation in which he should stay. It's the acceptance mm-hmm. of all right, you're leaving. Turn the page. New era with Todd. New era with a new quarterback and all, all this. That's what I. That's what I would see if the Buccaneers went with Todd Munkin. Which, by the way, Jolly Rogers and touchdowns fans, I'm still not in favor of. Like I could, yeah, that's just where I, that's just what I see the results of, of what happens. That doesn't mean I'm in favor of it because I'm not, but if it goes that way, that's what I see. That's what I see happening. You're also still crossing your fingers for Brady, but you know, 2023 is a year of a lot more positivity and that was meant to run. 